Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rookler Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of RCP. And I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. Hello, Tom. All right, let's let's get this out of the way. Your 49ers won on Sunday. They're in the NFC Championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Despite all of my rooting for the Cowboys, uh, it didn't happen for <laughs> it didn't happen for him again. Poor Dak Prescott. I want to say something in in favor of Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Cowboys, and I want to I want to relate because it's not a sports show. We don't you and I love sports, so we talk about it from time to time. But there's something about this year's playoffs, particularly in the NFC, which is what we're talking about now, that that relates to politics. And I think all of us could keep it in mind as we're assuming, you know, who's going to be the nominee in 2024 and acting like we know uh, so much. Uh, look, we're professional commentators. We're professional reporters. We, we, you and I do this full-time politics. But uh, in the NFL, you know, that's a big multi-billion dollar industry. And you have these scouts and general managers and their whole livelihoods depends on them getting the right quarterback for their team, uh, which is like, you know, like their nominees, their presidential nominees, Dak Prescott. He went in the fourth round He's from Mississippi State. He went in the fourth round of 2016 draft. The 49ers are starting their third string quarterback, Brock Purdy, who went in the seventh round, the last pick of the draft, by the way. And it's like they, they have this name. I think they'll retire it now, Mr. Irrelevant. He, he's anything but irrelevant. He, when he's picked uh, in the seventh round, 49ers, he's like Joe Biden after New Hampshire, right? Got beaten in Iowa and New Hampshire. Joe Biden's Mr. Irrelevant. The third quarterback, the Eagles, you mentioned Jalen Hurts. He went in the second round, 2020. He was the 53rd pick. Every NFL franchise had six or seven chances to pick Brock Purdy. Everyone had one or two chances to pick Jalen Hurts. Everyone had three or four chances to pick Prescott. The only first-round pick, Daniel Jones, of the four in the semifinals of the Giants, uh, went in the first round, and, and he perf- he didn't perform well. So, you know, you play these games on the field. And I was I was thinking – of our show over the weekend. I was thinking I was doing this Tuesday morning and reminding us that you, 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 that's why they play the games. It's why they run the primaries. It's why there was no big red wave last time. You got to play the games. You don't always know who the talented people are. You don't know who the leaders of your party are. So that's not my little sermon of the day. <laughs> okay. Well, just as a counterpoint, Joe Burrow was the number one pick in the draft. Josh Allen was number seven. Pat Mahomes was number 10. So, you're talking about, you know, the, I, I conveniently <laughs> left out the AFC, Tom. Yeah, conveniently. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. All right. We'll be talking more about football as the playoffs go on, I'm sure. But let's get back to politics. More documents found yeah. for Joe Biden. This is, I think, the fifth batch that has been found. Well, and Tom, let me make a quick observation. These documents were found by the FBI. Uh, given their track record recently, that suggests to me that, A, they were hiding in plain sight. And there's probably more to come because if the F- FBI couldn't find a bend and a pretzel these days and they found these. So it, it makes me think that maybe there's even going to be more. You know, but Biden had said, I think it was over the weekend when he was out in California or maybe it was the end of last week where he said he has no regrets about the way that he's handled this and and there's no there there, right? This is all just much ado about nothing. He was – he had been touring the state with Gavin Newsom and and got asked this question by the press. I mean, oh, he he and he snapped at the reporter, Tom. He, he, he was a little snippy. He was a little snippy. Oh, oh, he, he, yeah, there, there's important things we're supposed to be talking about. You should be asking me what what about rain? Joe Biden knows about weather. What what should they even ask Biden about the weather? Yeah, he he was a little out of line there, dressing down 
a reporter for asking about this. It would be mal- malfeasance not to ask him about that if you're in the White House pool. So, okay, but where does this go? Where does it end? What? What? How badly is this hurting Biden? Again, you you did hear some Dems previously. I mentioned last time. You know, James Clyburn was saying he was on Fox News last week saying, "Oh, this is nothing." Um, not a problem. And then suddenly over the weekend, you had you know Joe Manchin saying, well, Biden should have regrets. You had Dick Durbin on one of the channels saying, you know, talking about how this is a problem because he talked about how he handled classified information. And, and you've heard other members of Congress, Rokana was on Fox earlier today saying, it's, it's inconceivable how these documents could, you know, I have to sit in a skiff, I have to hand over my phone. You know, Durbin was talking about how they bring in the briefcase, lock briefcase, they give him the documents. They stand there while he reads them. He hands them back. They put them back in the briefcase, lock them up, and take them back to to a secure location. So a lot of members of Congress, even Democrats, are confounded by how these top secret or, or classified documents um, – again, we don't know exactly what's in them. What Maybe they're – Wait, wait. We don't have any idea what's in them. And, right. And my, my, and my assumption has always been – I want to remind our listeners. I assume this is overclassification. I assume these things – there's no – just my working assumption is that they had no right. business being classified in the first place. There's a hypocrisy is the right thing to raise. You know, sloppiness is the right thing to raise. The Democrats being on our high horse when it was Trump and now being Do, Are you saying, but, Carl? But are my you, assumption- on, Are you saying- I'm, My assumption that, is that national security has not been compromised. That's my- So are you opinion. saying that if someone accused Joe Biden of having these documents because he wanted to sell them to authoritarian leaders around the world- to make himself rich, that that would be perhaps a wild overstatement. Are you making fun of our democratic friends, Tom, and how they treated <laughs> just, the Donald? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the accusations that was uh, tossed around at the time. Right. But I thought it was goofy then. And I still do. My point is, is that I, I think we have a, there's a problem about a double standard. There's a problem about political civility. <clears throat> there may be a problem about Joe Biden's competence and his sloppiness. But I just don't, my assumption isn't that America's national security was actually compromised. I just thought we should put that, you know, out there. So we're not overblowing the story. I I agree. I mean, it would be nice to know what is in all these documents so that we can have a good understanding. And, and it's tough to even compare the cases because again, we don't know anything about, uh, we only know the circumstances under which they were found and retrieved. And and that paints sort of, uh, as you mentioned, a double standard. All right, moving on. Let's talk about uh, the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Roe was famously overturned. The Dobbs decision last year played a part in the election. We had the March for Life on Sunday. We had Kamala Harris going down to uh, Florida and giving a speech in which she I guess conspicuously, <laughs> elided over one of the, one of the. Uh, she, she she invoked Thomas Jefferson's um, preamble to the Declaration of Independence that begins when, in the course of human events, becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them to one another. He was talking about the British, and the most famous, the second paragraph, the most famous line in that speech. It may be the most famous line in American letters. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men, not today you'd have to say, all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Gets which words she 
Kamala Harris left out of that sentence. <laughs> Not uh, pursuit of happiness. No. no. So that sort of begs the question, though. I mean, it, obviously, that she was on prompter. This was a this was a a big speech that had been previewed you know, with the media and all of that, they made a big to do about it. So this was not just some casual mistake. And quite honestly, all of us know this line by heart and have known it since we were in first grade or something. I mean, you have to go out of your way to skip the word life in that sentence. And she did. So why? Well, because the other side calls itself the right to life movement. Could that have anything to do with it? (laughs) (laughs) But she did say, and they chose Florida for this speech very specifically because Ron DeSantis, you know, may be a big player in 2024. Oh, come on, Tom. She may have just wanted to be, she's from California. She may have wanted some warm weather. It's been cold here in Washington. Oh, yeah, right. She was very animated and emotional about this. She said, how dare, how dare they, the Republicans, uh, and Ron DeSantis in particular, he calls himself, you know, this is supposed to be the vanguard of freedom. She didn't mention him by name, but she was, how dare he, you know, attack the very freedoms that he claims to to be protecting by attacking a woman's right to choose. What do you think? Well, actually, Tom, if you're talking about this in a serious way, this has always been a dividing line within Republicanism. You know, Ronald Reagan was elected to landslide elections by this coalition that hadn't existed before of libertarian Western-style conservatives who believe in less go- lower government, less taxes, um, and, and more personal freedom. And they weren't, it wasn't, they weren't all about gay bashing or anything like that. And this great strain of, of Southern conservatism. And, and, of course, there's religious conservatives in the West and economic conservatives in the South. But, I mean, that we, epit- that we identify with the Southern um, strain of, of, of conservatism, social conservatism, and Ronald Reagan was able to unite these two these two factions, these two halves of Republicanism, and you know why? Because citing you know anti-communism and his personal magnetism and lower taxes and some things they all share. And the end of the Cold War was always going to be a, a, a fissure here, and it, it's come forward. No one's been able to unite this party the way Ronald Reagan did for this very reason. Tom, the Democrats are trying to exploit that, and if you, you leave out the, the histrionics, there's a very solid issue there. Is it conservative? Which is, which is real conservatism to have the government tell women they can't, they cannot get an abortion or to protect the lives of the unborn. Now, both those factions call themselves conservatives, but she's onto something there. And the Democrats have never tried to exploit it directly in this way before, but they always had Roe v. Wade to, to um, fall back on. And I think what you'll see in 2024 is a philosophical argument about what it means to be in favor of small government. Can you be a small government conservative and yet think that the Supreme Court, that state legislatures rather, can protect, prevent women from having abortions? It's it's a real issue and a real philosophical divide, I think. It is. And we've already seen in the House of Representatives, the Republicans are, are <clears throat> taking on the abortion issue. And there are some within the party, Lindsey Graham famously before the election said he wanted his, you know, a national ban, which, again, inflamed that fissure. Uh in the immediate aftermath of, of this great victory for conservatives, pro-life conservatives with, with the Dobbs decision. All right, Carl, we're almost out of time, but I want to, one more story, which came out yesterday afternoon, which I think had some people doing a double take. And here it is. This is from the New York times, uh, former top FBI official 
in New York charged in money laundering. So he was a high level. He was the head of the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York. He retired in 2018. His name is Charles McGonigal. And he is accused now of taking money from uh, the Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. Who's close to Vladimir Putin. Who's very close to Vladimir Putin. And uh, basically taking these private payments in order to get him off the sanctions list and also investigate one of his rivals. And this is a guy who was literally one of the main players in charge of, you know, Russia collusion investigation, you know, Operation Hurricane Crossfire. This guy who who uh, was in charge of that is now accused of <laughs> effectively uh, taking bribes let, let, and let, money let, let's, let's, from let's, a Russian oligarch. Let's freely I mean, just let that sink no, in for a second. Let's here. freely volunteer no? this caveat, Tom, that he is innocent until proven guilty. These are merely charges; they're allegations. His lawyer insists that he'll be acquitted, so let's give him the presumption of innocence. But if these charges are proved, one could say that, okay, there was collusion in 2016 between uh, an American, between the Americans and the Russians. It wasn't Donald Trump. It was the FBI colluding with the Russians. (laughs) One could say that if these charges are proven. And we'll see. But I mean, just the idea in general is just, it's makes your head want to explode. I mean, Republicans always say Democrats are always, whatever they accuse people of, they're guilty of doing themselves. Uh, and this <laughs> this is kind of another twist on that, a little different version, if you will. Well, and loyal listeners of our podcast will know that I, Carl Cannon, am not surprised the FBI is accused of perfidy. I'm pretty consistent on that point. Yes, you have been. All right, we'll leave it there for this morning. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief, and this has been the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023.